This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. Nation Network Radio coming at you live on a Saturday from TSN 1040 Studios. I'm J.D. Burke. I'll be one of your hosts for the day. We've also got John Abbott. You can follow him on Twitter at HockeyAbs. Over the week, the Canucks, bit of an up and down. They come back to beat the Kings after a two-goal deficit, and they win 3-2 with goals from both of their power play units. A couple of new-look lines there. Travis Green shaking things up to great effect. But Thursday, they were down by the Vegas Golden Knights, on which should have been a victory for this club. They're at home. They're facing the Vegas Golden Knights' fourth-string goaltender. It wasn't to be that night. They dropped that one 5-2. Bovat and Horvat with the two goals. Markstrom surrenders four. The NHL today announcing the Winter Classic for 2019. We've got the Chicago Blackhawks. Haven't seen them often on uh, an outdoor rink, so I'm glad they're kind of mixing things up there. We've got the Boston Bruins against them, and they're playing at Notre Dame for 2019. Elias Pettersson, a goal and two assists this morning. That's putting him on a point pace that hasn't been matched in the SHL by his age group since Peter Pors. Peter Forsberg, rather, in 1992. We're going to have Jeremy Davis on the show later to talk about that and preview the Utica Comets game, recap their week. They played the Belleville Senators last night. They defeated them. We have a post-game recap on Canucks Army. They're going to be playing the Hartford uh, Hartford Wolfpack tonight, and that goes live at 7 o'clock Pacific time. We're going to have a recap of that by Corey Hergat on Canucks Army. Tonight, the Canucks take on the Western Conference-leading St. Louis Blues, We've got Jake Bertanen drawing into the lineup at the expense of Brendan Gauntz. Nielsen starts, and we're going to have Rob Tufts on the show from St. Louis Game Time to preview that one. Abbott, how have you been doing, my friend? Good, J.D., and certainly lots going on heading into another edition of uh, Nation Network Radio presented by Canucks Army. And uh, I was at the rink this morning to take in a highly, highly optional skate for the Vancouver Canucks and the St. Louis Blues countering with uh, basically the full kit and caboodle. And this is a Blues team that rather quietly has launched themselves to the top team record-wise in the Western Conference, most wins in the Western Conference. And most goals scored in the Western Conference. So after we talk about a game that the Canucks should have had, at least coming into the matchup against Vegas, a team that has not done very well on the road at all. I suppose you're putting a a poor road record against a poor home record. So uh, maybe someone consider that a wash. But just the feel of that game against Vegas was unfortunate for the Canucks in so many different uh, ways, but including because St. Louis is their opponent tonight, and then it's back to the road for six games through the Eastern Conference. So if you're the Vancouver Canucks, it's all about the game ahead of you, and that would be this evening. By the way, Blake Price, Dave Tomlinson will be on after us for Countdown to Faceoff, getting you set for the Canucks and Blues. And no player will say, oh... We're still thinking about the one we just played, but it's it's hard to forget for everybody else, especially because it's been tied to a club that came out of California with one win and barely able to get past the LA Kings at that. So the Canucks are certainly going to look for an upgrade in performance, start to finish, an upgrade in results, and we'll find out if a guy like Jake Furtanen can make a difference to that. 
That's right. I, uh, I wrote an article for The Athletic Vancouver earlier this week, and it was in response to the news that Jake Vertanen was drawing out of the Canucks lineup, and I was looking at some of the ways that he can contribute to the Canucks at even strength when he's not hitting, because you you think about some of the buzzwords that have come out of this Jake Vertanen situation, and, and Travis Green talks about the way that he needs Jake Vertanen to be a physical force, somebody on the forecheck, somebody who's forcing turnovers. He hasn't put a hit number on Jake Vertanen. He's not expecting three, four, five a period. Jake Vertanen is, uh, you know, he's just got to be able to use his speed to kind of create opportunities and get loose pucks and get pucks to the Sedins if he's going to play on that line. Think about what Yannick Hansen did for them last season. And I think that's what Travis Green is looking for from Jake Vertanen. And while I wrote about the fact that the Canucks benefit by having Jake Vertanen in their lineup and some of the reasons I outlined where he's a strong puck possession player, he's somebody who's really efficient through the neutral zone, he's somebody who carries the puck into the zone as opposed to dumping entries. And and those types of entries generally produce twice as many shot attempts as a chip-and-chase play. So these are some of the things that Jake Vertanen brings to the Canucks lineup. He's also assisting on shot attempts, so he's getting his, his teammates set up in opposition's opportunities rather to shoot the puck. That's beneficial. But you know what? I think that this is more of a learning opportunity for, for Vertanen than it is... Travis Green wielding the stick rather than the carrot. And that's my takeaway. Well, we're setting you up for, in part today over the two hours here, three to five, for the Canucks and Blues. And so we will continue this Vertanen discussion. Uh, we'd love for you to join us throughout the program. Uh, we we will have some dedicated listener response times, a, a, a possibility and an opportunity for you to uh, voice an opinion, uh, to voice some disgust perhaps. Uh, so you can feel free to join us throughout the program. 604-280-1040. One eight four four eight seven six ten forty. Email live at tsn ten forty dot ca tsn ten forty dot ca. You can find us both on Twitter, as JD mentioned off the top. We'll have a poll question at tsn ten forty dot ca as well, as it relates to Marcus Granlund, another hot topic of discussion. But simply to continue with Jake Vertanen, my take is one of love and hate. I can't go back on my aggressive stance to have Jake become a bigger part of the hockey team because I've carried it since the beginning of the season, and I've been an advocate of his to be playing for the Vancouver Canucks through the end, through the beginning of last year when I thought there was high hopes, and it turns out that Jake, you know, had a lot more work to do than what he self-proclaimed uh, coming into training camp. That was evident not only in the beginning of the season, uh, but also because he was sent down to Utica and had to work with Travis Green. And even there, his situational play uh, was a challenge at times. And he has come back and provided not only visually in in the physical makeup after losing some weight and becoming quicker, uh, a better body of work, but also with how he has played, not every game, but how he has played at times for Travis Green and the Vancouver Canucks, encouraging results. Now, nobody, no player likes to sit out one game, let alone two or three. I better see some fire from Jake Vertanen in this hockey game. I had better see Jake Vertanen not just going out simply thinking about hitting people, although I agree the physical play could be upped. He was chasing the game in Anaheim, in my opinion, and that's some, somewhat to what Travis Green was alluding to. He's better when he's on his toes and on, you know, initiating contact and separating players from the puck. That's what you want him to do no matter what line he's on, but in particular with Daniel Henrik Sedin, who don't play that way. And I thought Jake was chasing it against the Anaheim Ducks. 
would Jake have gotten in had the team lost in Los Angeles? I believe so. So maybe there's a that dictates whether Jake had another game added to his healthy scratch list. But the point being, he's been out. I want to see a guy that's hungry to play, that is determined he will not be a healthy scratch again if there's going to be another adjustment to the lineup, which you'd have to think during this long road trip and back-to-backs looming at the beginning of this six-game Eastern road trip is a likely possibility for Travis Green. And recognize the opportunity Jake has been given. When Louis Erickson was out, did Jake Furtanen have to play with the Sedins? No. Would I have drawn up that trio at season's beginning? Absolutely not. Did it work? Yes, it did. But it's not an automatic. Louis Erickson, and I know people are tired of hearing this, and so am I, but the $6 million man needs a place to play. There is already an investment in him. Not to say that there isn't one with Jake Furtanen, but an established veteran who the Canucks desperately need to get going was in that exact spot in the lineup the last game with Henrik and Daniel Sedin. We're expecting that Vertanen is substituting for Louis Erickson, who will bump down and play with Gagne and Vanek. Gagne is going to be in the middle tonight. Interesting experiment there for the first time as a member of the Vancouver Canucks, one that I'm really looking forward to seeing. But recognize, if you're Jake Vertanen, that just because you're back with the Sedins and you had some chemistry there, that it's up to you, shift by shift, to make a game out of it to stick there. Because they're as soon as you've come back into the lineup, Louis Erickson is waiting in the wings to be bumped right back up there as an established NHL veteran that the Canucks need to get rolling. So let's put all that mentally in place for Jake Furtanen and expect a spirited game out of him tonight. And he's got some serious competition, too. You talk about getting Louis Erickson going. How good did the Sedin twins look with Louis Erickson by their side in Tuesday night's game against the Los Angeles Kings? Kind of a letdown effort against the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, but I'm just looking at naturalstattrick.com, and they track things like scoring chances to go alongside with some of the other shot-based metrics that I look at. Now, you want to know how dominant the twins were with Louis Erickson on Tuesday? That line controlled... And I'm looking here. They controlled about seven scoring chances for to two against. That is huge. If you've got a line that can have a shot, uh, a scoring chance differential of plus five in any given hockey game, they're going to start to score goals. And when you look at the goals for, they had won that game. And I don't think it's a surprise when a line is buzzing that effectively that they're going to find their way onto the score sheet. I've always talked about the way that I like Louis Erickson as a as a fit with the Sedin twins. And part of the reason is because he's such a smart player. And I really thought that he looked energized on that line on Tuesday. And even on Thursday, the results weren't there. But I thought some of what we saw from Erickson seemed to indicate... This is a guy who's playing with a bit of a fire under him. And he's somebody who realizes because of the Jake Vertanen shuffle up to the top of the lineup, he has to be on his best behavior as well. It's kind of that internal competition that Travis Green was talking about, specifically when he mentioned that Jake Vertanen had to take a step back, reevaluate his game, and see what he needed to do to establish himself. I think you're right that the Canucks need him to be somebody on the forecheck. They need him to move his feet, and part of that is because he's not somebody who's going to generate on the cycle. So what he needs to do is get the Sedins a puck. And he's not going to be doing that if he's standing still, if he's watching play, if he's not moving his feet and getting hits. So that's going to be an interesting storyline for me because I think Travis Green has two really effective options, whether it's Erickson or Vertanen with the Sedin twins. And you know what? Maybe that competition makes both those players better for it. And don't forget Marcus Granlin, which is the generation of our poll question on TSN1040.ca. 
Where would you like to see Marcus Granlin play? With the Sedins? On the Sutter line? In the middle? Which would indicate his own line? Or not at all? Scratch him? I mean, something has to be done with Marcus Granlin, and we saw it just at the tail end of the game in Vegas, of which uh, he was propped up with Daniel and Henrik. That has not been a solution for Travis Green to try and uh, pr- to get Marcus Granlin producing yet, but you have to think it's coming sooner rather than later when you have a guy that had 19 a year ago and has just been so slow out of the gates now. I recognize he's up against it a little bit, playing on what is a, a matchup line most nights. Uh, you want to look to his right and see Sutter and Dorset, and maybe you're considering, well, that's a that's a downgrade from guys like Henrik and Daniel Sedin that are basically thinking only offense when you cross the center line. Uh, you know, that's where most of their, their play is going to be. You get the odd back check, but it's basically hit center and go. So you wonder how long the experiment lasts with Jake Furtanen and the Sedins. And, and so we're talking about the importance of this type of opportunity for Jake. But really the ripple effect is tied into Louis Erickson, someone as you mentioned, and even Marcus Granlin. Now, I'm all in favor of having Granlin separate himself from a matchup line. I don't discount the fact that his game has evolved offensively. To the point where you have to look at him that way, and maybe you would have been happy in the past to have a guy like Granlin lock it up for you and not expect very much in the goal department or the points department because he can play that quote-unquote 200-foot game, and he's valuable for that. But I find it very hard to look past his numbers from last season, which, by the way, was injury-shortened, and not have some type of hunger to see him in a more offensive role for a team that is having problems scoring against the likes of the Vegas Golden Knights with their fourth-string goaltender. Well, that's one of the things when you look at Marcus Granlin and the role that he's played this season. I don't think that being in a shutdown line is necessarily what's driving the lack of offense. There are a couple things at play here. When we look at Marcus Granlin's last season, I think a lot of us, we, and I mean the royal we especially, we got a little bit fooled by by Granlin's production. He had 19 goals, but when you look at it, he was scoring on over 15% of his shots. That is not something we should have expected to repeat. The only player who can score that consistently is Steven Stamkos. And I'm, I like Granlin's shot, but it is not a Steven Stamkos quality shot. Now, what I think the big issue here is, is that... When you're playing on that line with Brandon Sutter and Derek Dorsett, they don't do the things that create a sustained environment for healthy offensive production. When I looked at Brandon Sutter's underlying production and, and how often he's producing primary assists, which is how we would gauge somebody's playmaking ability, their distributing ability, he is one of the lowest first assist distributors in the league per 60 minutes. Yeah, he's a shooter. He's a shooter. And exactly. Derek Dorsett, bless him, has... Seven goals to his name this season, which is a revelation, which is uh, simply superb when you consider what else he does for you. And he had a great play on an entry, I thought, in Vegas that nearly set up Marcus Granlin for a goal. But you just don't expect that from him shift to shift. So wouldn't you rather see Marcus break out of that shell a little bit? And even if he's not going to produce to the exact same pace based on the numbers that you just provided... Put him in a position where he has the the opportunity to do something offensively, like beside Daniel Henrik Sedin. All he knows, it's the job he's done before. I don't hate that idea. I kind of like Granlin with the Sedin twins. Same same kind of 
reasoning that I like Erickson with the Steen Twins. Granlin is a really intelligent player. He's got a really strong shot, and he knows how to get into the areas where he's going to score. But for me, I think the best way that you can get Granlin going and the best way that you can have the optimal impact throughout your lineup is to get him centering his own line with Thomas Vanek and Sam Gagne. And here's why. Marcus Granlin can cover up a lot of two-way deficiencies, and we saw that last year. When Brandon Sutter was playing with Marcus Granlund, their ability to control shot attempts went up 10%. And as soon as Granlund left, Brandon Sutter was down to 40% shot control. That is a huge difference, and you've got to give Marcus Granlund a lot of credit for that. So... If you put him with two players like okay, Vanek... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put him I'm with Vanek and, Ga- and Gagne, they're not going to contribute defensively, so he's going to cover up for some of their warts. And when they get opportunities in the offensive zone, he's going to be able to contribute to burying them. And give those guys a better chance, too. That's completely... I am completely on board with that. Just somewhere other than the Sutter line, please, for Marcus Granlin. Like, let's... If, if he's slumping and he's falling off and last season was uh, a complete one-off... Mm-hmm. Is that great for the Canucks? No, but you still know what you have in him. He can always go back to where he has come from. He can always be more of a defensive gem. He can always play the penalty-killing minutes. He can always be a matchup guy. In fact, even game to game, if you need to adjust from time to time, you can put him back there because, for large part, that's what he has been relied upon to do. But test it out a little bit. Yep. Test out the theory that there is more to this player that you stole in a trade if you can get him to produce close to what he did last year, even if it's not a 20-goal season, and make that line. Now, this is why I like what you just suggested. Make that line a secondary threat for the Vancouver Canucks. Make them part of the group. If, you're not, if you play Henrik and Daniel Sedin and insert winger here, 14 and change, 15 and change, 16 and change as the, the, the norm, and considering 17 and up is just, boy, the rare occasion they're feeling it, or you need some support, or you're losing, and they're going to play a lot of the, the second half of the third period. Okay. But forget about supporting Berchi, Horvat, and Besser. Support Henrik, Daniel, and Winger. So have two lines that you can throw out there. And at least have an idea that they may be difficult for an opposition to match up against because you get deeper into the the line charts and play off one another. And hey, if they all hit on the same night, then you're you're laughing. The chances of that are pretty slim. But I would love to see Vanek Gagne if they're going to stick together, and they they are tonight with Louis Erickson, have more of an impact. And if Marcus Granlin gets that done and it boosts Granlin at the same time, perfect storm. Now, it's a, it's a lot of anticipation. It's a lot of what-ifs. But I'd like to see at least the attempt made, whether it's with Henrik and Daniel, which would be my first choice if Jake doesn't fit there. I'm real, I'm Right now, I'm tied into enjoying Vertanen and the Sedins together first. Find out if Jake has what it takes to make that a consistent part of his resume, or if he's the guy that's going to bounce around. And listen, Jake Furtanen could quickly find himself beside Sutter and Dorset if the coach decides he hasn't seen what he likes, or I suppose, in the, into the press box. And Dave Tomlinson is arguing Jake doesn't have the hockey mindset to play the style of game that Sutter and Dorset are playing on most nights. Whether or not that's true remains to be seen, but 
I mean, Jake, I guess, has other things to worry about, but we've already mentioned Louis Erickson, and I have a tougher time attaching my my wagon to the the Sedin's horse with Erickson and, and the Twins. I just do. I right away when Erickson was signed, I thought it's a no brainer. Put all the Swedes together. They played in the World Cup of Hockey. Had some results there, albeit special teams wise. Partly did not think it would turn into such a slow start for Erickson in his Canucks career. And I just don't know if he gets it done with Henrik and Daniel. I, they, they, needs, they need a little bit more in their line to me, like a Vertan and like a Granlin. That's continuously going to have their feet moving. That's not afraid to get down and dirty once in a while. I mean, Louis, Louis Erickson is not that guy. He is not a guy that willingly goes into the corners, initiates contact, and finds the puck. Yannick Hansen was that guy. Jake Vertanen can be that guy. Marcus Granlin isn't big, but he doesn't have a, an off switch. I don't see Louis Erickson being that guy. Here's my problem. If you put somebody like Jake Vertanen on that line, is you're talking about Dave Tomlinson saying that Jake Vertanen might not have the hockey sense to play with Brandon Sutter and Derek Dorsett. Do you think he has the hockey sense to play with two of the most intelligent, like, creative hockey He's shown players? so far that he can keep it simple. He can keep it simple. Didn't you, but like he, the last road, two road trips ago through Buffalo and Boston and Minnesota... I thought the experiment worked really well. Jake was playing some of his best hockey beside Daniel and Henrik Sedin and colored me surprised. I, I was not expecting to even see that that trio attempted. I didn't expect to see the results from Jake. And what rings true since Jake Vertanen hit the ice in his National Hockey League career is he has to prove he can do that most games. He has to prove he can play a certain way. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I thought that Vertanen played really well in that sample that you highlighted as well, and some of the underlying metrics back that up. I think the Sedins and Vertanen were controlling close to 60% of the shot attempts at even strength, and they had the production to back it up. By that same token, so was Erickson. When Erickson was with the Twins last year, they were 56% Corsi line. This year, they've been close to 55. And they had a goal against the LA Kings. They were dominant in that game. For a second there, if you squinted hard enough, you could see the Sedins of 2011. There were moments like it. And even against Vegas, if you asked me to tell you which of the Canucks forwards lines was going that night, it was the Sedin line with Erickson. And they were one of the few Canucks lines that wasn't buried at even strength. I... I I like that line, and I think if we exercise a little bit of patience here and keep our expectations at an even keel, I think that Louis Erickson and the Twins can get to about 40 points together. I really do. I, I like the makeup of that line. I like his intelligence. He's not going to go into the corners. He's not going to initiate contact down low. But you know where Erickson's going to go? He's going to go to the front of the net. He's going to go to the side of the net. And he's going to find seams in the defensive coverage that a Jake Vertanen can't, although I'll grant you a Marcus Granlin could. It's it's those kind of things that I think mesh well with the Sedin Twins, and that's why I like that fit. Now, when we talk about Marcus Granlin with the Twins, that is also a really good idea for some of the same reasons. And you know what? We're talking about a shutdown line with the Sutter and, and Dorsett duo. How do you like this? We put Marcus Granlund up there on that first line. We're just playing armchair GM here, armchair coach. First line being... Sorry, they're not the first line anymore. <laughs> the Sedin line. See, I'm, I'm not even used to it. It's, it's so new to me. What a concept. But we put Granlund with the Sedin line. And then how about Louis Erickson with Brandon Sutter and Derek Dorsett? 
He's going to cover up some of the deficiencies that those two have in the defensive zone because, listen, I get it. They've been a shutdown line through the first quarter of the season. A lot of that's going to turn. You can't be a shutdown line when you're controlling 40% of the shots. Eventually, those are going to turn into goals. You need Louis Erickson to cover up some of those deficiencies. You can move Granlund up the lineup. He's going to help out with the Sedins. I like that idea. If 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 it it would cause Jim Benning to turn over in his grave, I'm I'm sure, um, because uh, to use a figure of speech here, obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously we know the existence of Jim, and don't wish anything and anything other. But can, I don't think that would have been at all the thought when uh, the player was signed as a free agent. But if it works. I'm okay with that. I realize we're throwing a lot at the board to see what sticks, but I think that's part of the problem so far with this Canucks lineup is they seem to be hitting on a few things now and then. The problem, the struggle to score is still very real. Even in a game when they have 40-plus shots like in San Jose and come out with a big loss because they simply cannot find the back of the net. And so as long as that continues to happen, yeah, you might catch lightning in a bottle with three players that get thrown together. But it's more about how do you put players in, a, in their best, op, best possibilities and situations to succeed and have that success be sustained. So you don't have to consider, you don't find yourself in such a bind on a game-by-game basis. So, yeah, I, if, if Erickson works best with Sutter and Dorset, and that's a line that gives you... Bang for your buck to go up against some of the other team's best players, and that's the look that Travis Green uh, is going to continue with, then, hey, try it. I'm fine with that Uh, because I I think others, in my opinion, are a better fit with the Sedins. Uh, And and we can continue the debate as to whether Granlin looks better in the middle. Uh, Tonight we're going to find out if Sam Gagne can play in the middle a little bit. And I've been waiting to find out how long this it would take to try Gagne in the middle right now, folks, if you're just joining us, the expected lines are uh, the Killer Bees together, Berchi, Horvat, Besser. They're not going anywhere. Sedin's reunited with Vertanen. Granlin stays with Sutter and Dorset. And then you have Vanek, Gagne in the middle, and Louis Erickson. So as much as perhaps you think, uh, well, you guys have played out a number of different scenarios, how likely are they to happen? Well, the lineup continues to change as players become healthy, but also as guys continue to underperform, in a, it really, in the true sense of describing this. I mean, Sam Gagne in the middle uh, right now is akin to trying to get that line going with Vanek and Louis Erickson tonight and uh, try and find something sustained. So we can continue to have those conversations. Uh, it's pretty fun from the outside looking in to this point. Canucks would like something that works, particularly as they head out onto the road. It is the final home game of a two-game stint. So, Blink, you're talking about Blink, and you'll miss it. Well, that's certainly the homestand for the Canucks as they try to respond after a 5-2 defeat at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights have the toughest team record-wise in the Western Conference. The St. Louis Blues tonight, Dave Tomlinson, Blake Price will join you at 5 o'clock to get the countdown to face-off going. It's J.D. Burke and myself, John Abbott. In the meantime, Nation Network Radio, presented by Canucks Army, will preview the Canucks and Blues uh, on a continual basis throughout the store uh, show. We'll talk a little Anders Nielsen when we come back and how exactly the Canucks plan to match up against what has been a, a killer line uh, for the St. Louis Blues. That on the other side. Nation Network Radio.
presented by Canucks Army on your home for sports in Vancouver. TSN 10. I'm always trying to, to make the save, no, no matter what. But I think uh, it's, it's not only me. I think the whole team needs to step up. And uh, we, we know uh, our starts hasn't been the best lately. And uh, we're aware, uh, aware of, uh, of it. And I think everyone needs to, uh, to be ready to go right from the start. And uh, uh, especially like a team like uh, St. Louis, that, you know, they, they come hard and crash that hard. And so, so everyone needs to be, be ready. And uh, hopefully it's going to be great. The voice of Anders Nielsen. Canucks starting goaltender against the St. Louis Blues. John Abbott, J.D. Burke bringing you into segment two of Nation Network Radio presented by Canucks Army. Our number one. We're with you uh, right through five o'clock. And you can uh, chime in along the way if you'd like. Phone us at 604-280-1040. 1-844-876-1040. Email live at tsn1040.ca. At J. Dylan Burke. At Hockey Abs, A-B-B-S, if you want to get a hold of us. And uh, we thank you to the kind listeners who have already chimed in via Twitter, uh, at the Powderfinger and at Bjorkman B. Thank you for the listens today. Uh, We certainly appreciate you making, uh, making us a part of your Saturday. And it is the big man. You have to be more clear, I suppose, when you talk about the Canucks goaltenders. But the really big man in net between the pipes for the Vancouver Canucks in Anders Nielsen. And all Anders Nielsen has done is pick up four wins in five games, two shutouts of the four wins, and excluding the brief appearance of which things did not go well in Boston and yet was more of a pull to get the team on track against the Bruins. Uh, Boy, sparkling stuff from Anders Nielsen, whom the Canucks missed in a brief stint due to uh, celebrating the birth of his uh, newest baby boy, Louis. So congrats to the Nielsen family once again, but is back into the blue crease tonight. And I have to be honest, I think has a real opportunity now seeing what Jacob Markstrom has done over some consecutive starts uh, to pick up two in a row, in my opinion, when, when you consider the back-to-backs on the road trip are forthcoming for the Vancouver Canucks, likely to be split in that regard. But I could certainly see Nielsen starting tonight against the Blues and again against the Flyers before handing Jacob Markstrom the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, but this is an opportunity for Nielsen to try and as he mentioned, uh, provide some steady backbone to a team that is uh, up against it when the first goal goes in, J.D., but also further his his body of work, which has already been pretty impressive in the, the start here for Vancouver. Yeah, I've really liked what Anders Nielsen has brought to this club. I think the the Tanner Pearson goal against L.A., that's one that shouldn't happen, but we've also got yeah, we got to let that one slide, though, because he just took, what, a week and a half off, two weeks for the birth of his son, Louis. You know what? If he's going to be shaky on I don't think we first... have to let that one slide, but I get where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit of mercy there. <laughs> you know what? I'm just looking at Corsica.hockey here. A great resource for underlying goalie metrics. You can kind of look into what's going into the save, how many goals they should have let in versus how many they did let in. This is how impressive Anders Nielsen has been. He has a 956 save percentage at even strength. 956, that is obscene. And I know it's a lot of it has to do with a small sample. We're talking about less than 200 minutes here. But that is still impressive. And when we look at his delta save percentage, so that's the difference between his actual save percentage as opposed to his expected save percentage. He has the eighth highest delta save percentage at 2.47. And the person directly above him, to give you an idea of what a reliable metric that can be, Sergei Bobrovsky with 2.8. That is really impressive company to keep. 
I mean, what what more could you ask of him? According to Korska, he stopped two and a quarter goals that most goaltenders would have let in, an average goaltender, of course. I want to see him get the net more. And and that's not really to, to give Markstrom a hard time here or take away from what he's done. When I'm looking at some of these same metrics, Markstrom has been, he's been fine. He hasn't been exceptional, though. And Nielsen has. And I think that's why Nielsen needs to get a a little bit more starts. I mean, we, we look at it right now, and it's kind of hard to judge how often he's going to get starts based on this first two-month sample because, of course, we had the birth of his child that came up, and Travis Green had no choice but to play Jacob Markstrom. But as we get into December here, if Nielsen keeps putting up quality starts like this for the Canucks, he's going to force some tough decisions. And I think as we get to about mid-December here, it wouldn't surprise me if he starts to take the, the line share of the workload here. I mean, we went into this year, and it was supposed to be a goaltender tandem. Green's lent mostly towards Markstrom, and I wonder if that's going to change, because if you can't just ignore results like that. Well, the road trip will determine some of that, J.D., I firmly believe, and I've been sort of hanging in the weeds when asked to contribute to the idea of uh, who's the number one, or who could be the number one, or why has Markstrom had the lion's share of the starts to this point because of the factors you already outlined, but also because this was on the horizon. It is in Philadelphia on Tuesday, in Pittsburgh on Wednesday, in New Jersey Friday, following uh, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Rangers, Islanders, Predators. There's an opportunity to do spaced out starts if you'd like because there's a day between every game. But there's also an opportunity to run with a guy that has results. And I don't mind sizing up matchups with goaltenders. I think that's something that uh, Travis Green and Dan Cloutier were looking at earlier in the season. So traditionally, numbers-wise, breakdown on video perhaps, you know, how a guy like Anders Nielsen or Jacob Markstrom matches up against the exact opponent for one specific evening coming into play. It had largely been two games and two games, though. Two starts and two starts. And uh, I wonder if it's going to at least continue that rotation for Nielsen tonight. Nielsen against the Flyers. Markstrom, perhaps, against the Penguins. And then, I think you can throw some of those things out the window, as far as I'm concerned. Find out. We will find out by then if there's a goaltender that's starting to separate from the pack, I believe, uh, based on the the scheduling and the nature of the opponents on this road trip. And uh, most people seem to side with you, with Anders Nielsen, uh, when it's all said and done, shaking out to have more starts than Jacob Markstrom, who is signed here for the long term, and Nielsen uh, still trying to make a name for himself in the uh, NHL of one-time St. Louis Blues. So this is, I don't think this is money on the board game for Nielsen. I could be wrong, but uh, we'll get to that in our, our karma segment as well. But Nielsen does grab back the reins, at least for night, in the blue paint, and he will have to go up against the likes of a line that is just catching the NHL by storm, and yet part of a team that, despite all their success, early goings of this season has perhaps done so rather quietly. I don't think the Blues are a sexy name, nor may they ever be. But St. Louis, and for good reason, atop of the standings, Vladimir Tarasenko, you can always expect to leave a big impact and a big footprint, J.D. But if you said, name me the top five scorers in the NHL point-wise right now, you'd probably have a good, solid three players in your mind. I don't know that Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen would be among them, but they are. 
And that's the line. Tarasenko, Schwartz, and, si- and Shen for the St. Louis Blues that are together as a trio just tearing it up. And so Anders Nielsen will have his work cut out for him in goal for the Vancouver Canucks. That's an interesting one for me to see that Braden Shen is having this level of success with the St. Louis Blues. I mean, when you look at the way that the Blues acquired him, was he anything other than like a salary dump by the, the Philadelphia Flyers in return for the Blues spare parts of Yori Laterra? I mean, I did not expect that Braden Shen would be on the first line, much less contributing to the extent that he has. So, you look at last year, he had 55 points. Braden Shen has 25 points already in just a 20-game span. At this pace, he's going to break his career high by the halfway point in the season. Did not see that coming. Jaden Schwartz is a little bit more interesting for me, and I'll tell you why. Because we had Dawson Springings, who used to work for the hockey data company that I work for called Hockey Data Inc. in Vancouver. He developed a wins above replacement model, and baseball fans will be familiar with this idea. And it rated Jane Schwartz extremely high, and some of that was because he generated a lot of shots, and he did a lot of great stuff in terms of two-way play and driving shot attempts and shot attempt share. It's kind of funny because we use that metric to predict future goals, right? That's why we look at Corsi shots, all these underlying elements. And here we are a year later after Jaden Schwartz looks sterling by that metric, and he is lighting it up. He's right there with Braden Shen, tied for 25 points, tied at fourth in the league in scoring, and that is probably the best line in hockey outside of Nikita Kucherov, Vlad Nemesnikov, and Steven Stamkos. Yeah, I've heard of those guys and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the other conference that uh, have just absolutely uh, taken the NHL by storm this year. Oh, however, maybe more anticipated that uh, players such of that elk or uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning as a team would do so. I'm not so sure people would have picked the Blues or those three guys specifically to be in the position that they are. So the question for the Canucks is how do you how do you defend against those three? Do you play them heads up, best against best, and have Bo Horvat with uh, the home line change to be able to do that type of thing, uh, throw the Horvat line out there and say have at it, guys? Or are you more inclined to to have the shutdown line, if you will, with Sutter, Dorset, and Granlin, since Granlin's sticking around, try and do what they've done best against some of the other teams that have come through Rogers Arena. For me, the question is more what the Canucks are going to do defensively. And, and one of the patterns that I've noticed Travis Green likes to go to is he'll line up Brandon Sutter and the Erica Branson pair for defensive zone faceoffs. That duo of that line and Erica Branson have been just getting buried at even strength. We're talking about a 30% shot attempt share. Now, If the Canucks go to that line, they go to that setup today against the Blues, they're going to suffer for it because you just can't have players of that caliber facing off against the best line in hockey the way that the Canucks are going to. So, you know what? So, give me Delzato Biega? Edler Pouliot. Edler Pouliot. Yeah. Rough game against the Vegas Golden Knights, but I think that overall their body of work has been pretty impressive since Alexander Edler came back. Well, I'm going to give Edler the benefit of the doubt that his decision-making was at a career worst in that uh, opening frame and throughout parts of the night against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and expect a bounce-back game from number 23. We'll continue our discussion on the Blues and their success specifically and how it might apply to the Vancouver Canucks this evening when we come back as uh, Rob Tufts from St. Louis Game Time will join the show, uh, talk about that incredible trio as well as the goaltender uh, Jake Allen who will make the start in net in Vancouver countering Anders Nielsen this evening. It is uh, Canucks and Blues talk. It is Canucks in general throughout every show, every week. It's your home for that kind of talk. Nation Network Radio, presented by Canucks Army on TSN 1040. 
Happy Saturday, everybody. Hour One, Nation Network Radio, presented by Canucks Army. John Abbott, J.D. Burke with you, as we will be each and every Saturday. And that usually ends up being on a game day. No exception this evening. Canucks and Blues. And to talk more about the St. Louis angle, Rob Tufts from St. Louis Game Time will join the show and let J.D. welcome him in. Hey, Rob. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. How's your day going? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Uh, pretty good. Thank you so much for asking me to participate. Yeah, yeah, anytime. Next time the Blues are in town, we'll have you on again. So I guess we'll dive right into it. Great. The St. Louis Blues have the best top line in hockey, arguably. I think they're competing for that title with the Tampa Bay Lightning trio. But when you look at what Braden Shen, Jaden Schwartz, and Vlad Tarasenko have been able to put together, it's an impressive start to the year. You've got Schwartz and Shen tied for fourth in the league and scoring in 25 points. What has made that line so effective? I mean, one of the things that I know uh, St. Louis Blues fans have been talking about and have been wanting is, is to have a, a really good center for um, for Tarasenko and for Schwartz as well. And I think essentially that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing uh, Shin, um, you know, filling that role that the Blues have needed for a very long time. I think also, um, I think the shift in play, style of play from Hitchcock to Yao is also a big factor in this. Um, anyone who was willing to listen to me, I would tell them that Hitchcock should have been fired about three seasons ago um, because this team had a lot of skill, but they were undisciplined. Hitchcock was great. He came in, taught these guys how to play disciplined hockey, but he really pushed down their skill. Um, his mantra was work first, skill second. And so now we're seeing Yao kind of bringing, bringing that skill a little bit more forward, but yet still that commitment to discipline. And I think that's what we're seeing here um, with this uh, top line of Tarasenko, Schwartz, and Shin. The skill has always been there. It's just always been suppressed by Hitchcock hockey. That's a fair point, one that uh, I'm sure Dallas Stars are lamenting through the early parts of their season. When you look at the St. Louis Blues right now, they're still producing uh, their 10th in the league in goals per game. No surprise with an effective first line like that. They're also 6th in the league in goals against, and a lot of that probably has to do with the revival of Jake Allen going back to next season when Martin Brodeur was introduced to the coaching regime. Can you, can, you break us, can you break down Jake Allen's development over the last two seasons and the player he's been for the Blues so far in this year? Sure. So, uh, you know, last season uh, we had, uh, you know, I think Allen really kind of struggled early on with um, with some of the goalie coaching going on. Um, and like you mentioned, I think Verdure, um came in and I think it really helped um, Allen get better settled. I think he's still a good goaltender. Um, however, Allen still struggles a little bit. I, I just took a quick look at the numbers. If you look at high danger, medium danger, and low danger shots, Allen has this weird tendency to perform really well against high danger shots, but not as well against the low and medium danger shots. So I think that that's, um, you know, that, that's still an issue with Jake Allen that he's going to need to address in order for him to really get this team through the playoffs, um, you know, this season. Uh, Rob and, and Rob Tufts joining us from uh, St. Louis Game Time on Nation Network Radio presented by Canucks Army. Uh, does he have that mental makeup? Has he established that side of the of the game through being a starter and having the line share of the work now in the absence of, of Brian Elliott to to get into the promised land and, and have what it takes, the mental fortitude in playoffs, you think? 
I think he does if he's given a chance. I mean, I know a lot of people think that competition is good for goalies, and I think that that was something that uh, Elliot and Allen had really played off one another really, really well that way. Um, and I think that the, the Blues do have some really good goaltending coming up through um, the development program. So, you know, I, I still think Allen, you know, is, is – he has someone to play off of in that regard, you know, someone to keep looking over his shoulder. Um, you know, some some Blues fans love a goalie controversy, so they wanted to say that there was a goalie controversy with Hutton coming in and playing as well as he did. But but to be honest, um, you know, Allen's a starter, and I think uh, and I think this season can be his season. <laughs> Nation Network Radio, presented by Canucks Army here, joined by St. Louis Game Time's Rob Tufts. Rob, one of the things that sticks out to me when I look at the St. Louis Blues and their statistics through the early going of the season is that their power play, which has generally been a strength, is sitting at 22nd overall in the league. And I think a lot of that leads up to my next point, which is how has life been in a post-Shattenkirk St. Louis Blues world? Um, you know, Shattenkirk, obviously, you know, he's, he's been doing a wonder, you know, he finally found his, uh, his, his feet, so to speak, um, you know, with the Rangers and their power play there. Um, you know, I, the Blues have had a, a decent power play. I, I would never say that they had a really good power play. It's always been kind of disappointing, um, a little bit for us, um, even though we had some traditionally kind of good power play players. Um, so, you know, this season, to me, it seems just kind of a little bit more of the same. Um, but defense-wise, you talk about Shattenkirk and sort of that offensive um, defenseman. I mean, Petro, um, Alex Petrangelo has really stepped up in that role. Um, I think, you know, some he, he's been scoring a lot of goals from below the dots. And I think he is going to fill that role that Shattenkirk um, had very, very well. Rob, if you said that the Blues were going to get off to this type of start without Bowmeister, without Berglund, and no Fabry for the year, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Uh, how has Mike Yo been able to, to do it without those types of players? Um, yeah, I don't I mean, that, that's a great question, right? And that's the question that I've been trying to figure out. Um, here all day, um, and and to, and to be honest, yeah, I mean, I, I would have I would have laughed at anyone who who said that they would have had this good of a start, you know, for a lot of different reasons, not just for the missing players, but also for the for the uh, changing coaches. But but when you look back at it, I think if you see kind of what the Blues did against Minnesota in the playoffs, right, that was that sort of like unbelievable sort of win, you know, how how could the Blues win these games and they were getting outshot and things like that. Um, you know, I think we were starting to see the seeds of what the beginning of this season was going to look like. Um, once again, I think, you know, we can critique Armstrong on some of his trades. I think uh, some of his drafting has been really good, and some of the development, um, player development has been good for the Blues. And so I think that that's what we're seeing here playing off a little bit is just, you know, the Blues have talent, and now the Blues are actually getting to use that talent, and it's paying off now. Further to that, how important do you believe this start is in the long term, considering the competition in the Central? Uh, no strangers, the Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, uh, but the Dallas Stars, Minnesota Wild, Chicago Blackhawks are usually in the hunt when all things are said and done. Uh, do you believe that this start gives the Blues uh, the best room to work with uh, moving through the rest of the season? 
Absolutely. I mean, when you come out this strong at the beginning of the season, it, you, you give yourself a nice cushion, a nice pad. That doesn't mean that they can or should sit back, obviously, but it does give them a little bit more breathing room um, for that ultimate, you know, drop in PDO, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and it does give them some breathing room as well when some of these uh, players start returning, like Berglund, and starting to bring them into the lineup again to try to reintegrate them, right? Um, I, I'm really looking for the Berglund coming back. You know, he, he did such a great job um, coming back last season after a soldier, shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery. Sorry. And uh, so I'm hoping that we'll, we'll see the same out of him again uh, this season when he comes back. Rob, appreciate you joining us on a game day for the St. Louis Blues as they take on the Vancouver Canucks and uh, preparing everyone in uh, British Columbia for the, the opponent this evening. Thanks for being with us. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. That indeed it was, my friend Rob Tuss from St. Louis Game Time as part of our uh, St. Louis Blues look inside. And they will be back in Vancouver just before Christmas, December 23rd. Uh, So St. Louis getting uh, a lot of their travel done in the early portions of the season as well um, with... You know, a couple of different Western uh, road swings. And so St. Louis firmly believing that based on the start that they have provided, uh, the fact that a lot of their their heavy travel uh, per se is done, at least uh, in bunches is done by the time they get into the Christmas break. Boy, this could be a team not only making waves at the beginning of the season, but one to to keep track of all the way through the second half. uh the road trips for the Blues are, you know, quite spaced out and not as frequent. And as you just heard Rob say, expecting to get Berglund and Bowmeister back, certainly by that time. And listen, it's never all going to be just roses. There's likely a few more uh, kinks in the rope to appear. But this is a Blues team. When you measure U.S. Thanksgiving, there's that, that old adage of finding out where you sit in the standings uh, certainly looks like Mike Yo has given himself a really good opportunity to put uh, the St. Louis Blues in strong position in a very very difficult division yeah and there's there's a lot of underlying signs that point to like sustainable success here it's not all smoke and mirrors I think it's pretty impressive that they're in the top six in the league in terms of suppressing goals against when they've got a goaltender who's only running at a 9-13. That's just about league average this year. So imagine if Jake Allen catches fire at some point. This is a team that's controlling top five rate of shot attempts against. When you adjust for score and venue, they're controlling top five expected goals. All signs point to a really good season for the St. Louis Blues. It is Allen who needs to stay healthy, though, and he's been a workhorse for the Blues, and that might be the biggest linchpin of them all for St. Louis. It'll be Allen and the aforementioned Blues taking on Nielsen. The Vancouver Canucks will continue to tee you up for that matchup and uh, talk more Canucks, including what's uh, coming for the Utica Comets as the Canucks head out on the road. Always like to keep an eye on uh, possibilities to come up from the American Hockey League. Jeremy Davis will join us as Hour 2 will kickstart uh, for... Nation Network Radio presented by Canucks Army on TSN 1040.